Hi, I'm Anna Olson, and you're listening to We're Not Kidding, a podcast devoted to sharing stories surrounding the child-free life. As a life coach, I'm passionate about helping women feel confident and empowered in their choice not to have children. And I believe that by sharing our stories, we help break the stigma. So let's dive in. Hey, listeners. I am so excited to bring you today's episode. I got to sit down with two people who I've been hoping to get on the podcast since I started the podcast. I kid you not. These are two people that I know personally who have been instrumental in my life, and they are incredible individuals who I respect and admire so much. And their names are Lee and Lindsay. I met them in my mid-20s and became good friends with them, my husband as well. And they are the only child-free couple, the first child-free couple that I met and the only child-free couple that I have known um, for a significant amount of time. And I have been wanting to have this conversation and I'm so grateful to them for sitting down with me to have it and to allow me to share it with all of you. And I hope you enjoy, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm really excited today. Not only am I excited about these guests, they happen to be two of my favorite people and the first couple I ever met that were child-free that I knew of, um, and they have had a great impact on me. So I'm just honored to have them on the podcast, sharing their story here today with all of you. So welcome, Lee and Lindsay. Thank you for being willing to come on the podcast. This is sort of a very exciting moment for me. (laughs) Would you be willing to start by telling us all a little bit about yourself, who you are? Sure. Hi, Anna. We're really happy to be here with you. And yes, it seems like we have known you for many, many years and it's been lovely. And I'm very proud of you in this podcast that you're putting together. And I think it's great support. Oh, thank you. So I'm Lindsay, and Lee and I knew each other in high school. I'm 68 years old now, and we've been married for 45 years. So, Which seems like a lot, which is almost like, who are these people that have been married for 45 years? (laughs) When we were young, just getting out of high school, it was, you know, 73. There was a book out called The Population Bomb that kind of explained that planet was getting a little bit overpopulated. And there was a a concept of floating called ZPG or zero population growth. Unfortunately, never gained any traction, but we we thought it was a great idea. And and so therefore we acted on it. Of course, getting out of high school, we weren't yet thinking about a married life together. We were friends, you know, good buddies. We hung out in the same little selected family of friends, our own age. And we we actually did call ourselves a family at that point. And um, it wasn't until we both had spent time in college and we got kind of back together that uh, the marriage question came up. I think as far as the child-free part, that we didn't really labor on it much. It was like, oh, do you want to have kids? Maybe not. And, you know, okay. <laughs> it, was just, it was just really pretty easy to think about as far as we really don't need to add to the population of the planet. And we also felt like we could have an impact with children, even though they weren't our own. And so we didn't necessarily feel like it would be a detriment, you know, that it oh, yeah. that we could still have full lives and participate in a community 
but we just didn't have a very strong feeling about there needing to be a biological child between us. I know yeah. we at that time said to each other that, you know, later down the line, if we decided we really wanted to raise a child, that there would be children available. We again didn't have to produce our own. But I don't think we even had that conversation very often. No. Um, that it, it made kind of sense from the get-go for us. And we didn't have any close friends who were child-free. I'm trying to mm. think if there were anyone in our lives like we were for you, Anna. Mm. A great aunt. Well, we had some relatives who were child-free. But I just think that it was it was not that hard of a choice for us. And maybe we were then just determined enough with making our own decision that I never felt like, friends that oh you know really what you know are you you're not going to have kids and, and we didn't get a lot of that questioning perhaps mm. some of the rest of your listeners may feel all the time that everyone is questioning them right yeah so it sounds like there was this book and the zero population growth idea were strong at the time and maybe very impactful for both of you and that was that a, a strong influence on this decision not to have children? Well, I think that, you know, I think that the whole environmental movement at the time was not afraid to discuss population, mm. which in the last, you know, 25 years, no one talks about population. Right. And, and I just think that at the time, it was part of the general, you know, topics of the war of the day that there was this issue and was there a carrying capacity that the earth could really sustain? And, you know, lots of people kind of trying to decide what that might be or ways to remedy that. But we were, you know, we wanted to be good stewards of the planet. And I can't say that it was the primary reason why we decided to be child-free. You know, like as, as a young person, you know, I really did not like to babysit. Mm. Yeah. I always wondered if like, I mean, I know kids that love that job. And, and so, you know, it kind of made sense that maybe I was going to not be a childcare person in my own family, in my own life. You know, another thing from that era, it was, I believe during that time that China had a one, one child policy nationally. Mm. Well, so I don't think that that necessarily. I mean, well, but I'm just thinking, thinking of the political about. ramifications of it. And that's right. And therefore, no Western politician would even come close to the subject. Mm. Um, what was a taboo subject? You would not talk about limiting reproduction, especially by government, but you know, even voluntary, we couldn't talk about it. I mean, we did talk about it, but we you know, only have so much reach with our ability to talk about it. But uh, the other thing I think is that that right now, if you studied the population dynamics in the United States, that we may be getting actually closer to that ZPG point because just we were kind of the end, tail end of the baby boomers. So here there was this whole big group of people who were of reproductive age who had children. I mean, I remember my mom saying that when she was you know, out of college, she wanted to have a lot of kids. I mean, everybody had a lot of kids. And I think that now, because that bubble of so many people that could have children is moving into more retirement age, that those who follow, it's not as big a number. And then I think like, like your podcast shows is that there is some interest in people deciding not to have children. 
So I right. think there's lots of factors that went into it. And we just happened to ride this idea, you know, starting in the 70s instead of the, you know, the 2020s. World War II created the baby boom. I remember my mother telling me that she was told specifically, directly by her mother to have at least three children and two were to replace she and dad and that one in case, an extra. Mm. And then and, my mom's proudly said, well, we went one better and had four. But I think the, one, the one extra was just in case because there were infant mortality issues. Right. 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 Uh, the world was much more, well, maybe not more, but <laughs> the world was very aware that life was impermanent and things can happen all along the way. So, but that was the mood after World War II. It was repopulating. Right. Um, and they did literally too good a job of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But even, even in, yeah, in our age group, we know quite a few people, child free, who made that same decision, even though, you know, we didn't know each other then. Right. And I think it's interesting that, you know, Lindy has three other brothers and I have a brother and sister. So in our generation, in our own families, one child, one sibling, one sibling chose to have children in each family. Mm. Out of the three in my family, my sister and I are both child-free and my brother has two. In Lindy's family, he had three other brothers, so four kids. One of them chose to have children, children. and had two. So I think that today, so many people are like, well, you don't realize that you even have an option. Right. That, and it's because everyone around you, this is, this is how it goes. You get married, you have kids. Yeah. You get married, you have kids. Well, so our era, there was room for choosing to be child-free. And maybe, maybe it was for similar reasons as us in that the world was thinking more about how to be an active steward and participant in in the world and maybe being child-free was one kind of environmental thing that you could do in a big way. A big gift to the planet. Yeah. Maybe you don't know the answer to this, but when did that sort of start? It seems like it tapered off then at some point, this- The environmental- Yeah. Sure. And I'm sure probably politics had a lot to do with that in the time. It would be an interesting thing to research perhaps about that change yeah i even remember stuff in junior high school about you know the planet and taking care of the planet and our earth and and you know there's some of that now even in you know save the whales and and you know butterfly pollinator gardens and right kind of changed its focus away from population and i think that you know i mean you could have a large population as long as you have systems that that are in place that still protect the resources of this planet. You know, we only have one Earth. Yeah. And I know in a previous conversation too, Lee, I think you mentioned that the 70s too at this time was when birth control was more accessible for women and that choice Correct. was sort of more, what is the word, like not in your face, but more just... It was easier to act on that choice because um, birth control methods were talked about and and yeah. taught in some in some schools that you know these were the different things that you could utilize and then back then more easily available right and mm-hmm. and back then you know 
the original Roe v. Wade was passed as law to giving a woman the right to make a choice. Um, yeah. And so I do think that people were more aware of options that they might have. And, and well, maybe, the idea that you, we could control when we reproduced. Right. And then an extension of that is whether or not to reproduce. Right. Yeah. So going back to your personal stories, you know, you mentioned it was a pretty easy decision for both of you. And were there ever moments where you questioned it or regretted it over the years? I'd say not <laughs> once. <laughs> we, we would occasionally remark to each other, you know, and, and after varying things about how we still, we would revisit it and say, uh, no, we, we still are. I mean, even now we still revisit it to mm-hmm. say, you know, like, thanks, thanks for, for sticking with this. And, mm-hmm. you know, that we, ne- we didn't ever really regret. We little, still don't regret. A little bit more background. We, we and I started and ran a nursery uh, perennial plant nursery. It's kind of my background. Lee was educated as an interpretive naturalist or environmental educator. But I, I grew up working in nurseries, and uh, it was it was something that I knew pretty well. And we just we started our own nursery here on the farm north of Decorah, and ran that for some thirty years or so. Did some retail, did some landscape work, landscape design, installation stuff. And anybody that that knows that that world knows that it's a heck of a lot of work. You know, you work from sunup to sundown during the season. And I know a lot of, I've worked in nurseries that were family run businesses where multiple generations worked and that can work too. But we, we really feel strongly that if we'd had children, we probably would have migrated toward more stable jobs. Being self-employed is sticking your neck out. And we really didn't know from one year to the next what our income level would be. Some years were better than others. None of them were desperate. We would have, we had plenty of food on the table and we had, had a, we owned our farm and house, and but we, we just feel quite strongly that had, had we had a family, we would have been more inclined to, to take a stable job where somebody else was writing the check. Um, right, right. Or, or that things were more, you know, health insurance was part of the job, the, right. the employment package, that we would have chosen safer occupations. And, yeah. and not to say that that's wrong. I have great respect for those who do choose to have children. That that is one of the options that you have to kind of keep in mind is that, you know, if you want to dream about being a world-renowned photographer or whatever, that it's going to be more difficult for you to raise children on a riskier occupation. Right, just a, an even income stream. Right. Or one of the couple has to decide that it's okay to have a, a safer job, to be the groundswell. And so... I mean, looking back at it, I mean, we never thought about that when we decided to be child-free, but looking back on it, we realized that we, we could make some choices because it was just the two of us. Lindy and I have never had life insurance and lots of people would say, well, you know, you got to have life insurance because if something happens to you, then your kids need to have this income. And we used to always think, well, you know, the two of us have operated and figured out how to take care of ourselves all these years and that we didn't have debt, that that was kind of our life insurance. Mm. But certainly raising a family of children, you know, and you have maybe 
you know, two wage earners and if something happens to one of them, life insurance isn't a bad idea because you need to make sure that you're going to be able to have a certain amount of income. But for us, we could be, I'd like to say riskier, but hmm, I, think being, make sense. I think being self-employed, you learn to like try to minimize the risks because it already is risky enough. But that's one thing to think about is that, you know, if you have your heart set on a certain career, it can be difficult. I mean, children are a big commitment. And, and, and I'm not saying that we took ourselves more important than any child that we might raise. I mean, I realize that might be an argument that some people would say that, well, we are just thinking about ourselves and not about a family. But I think that it's, well, it's really not that way. That's the selfishness issue. Right. Um, and I think selfishness yeah. can be turned around and, and pointed the other way. And that selfish, uh, as far as uh, not having a family, is being very generous to the planet mm. and to our society by not overpopulating. So I, I don't buy the selfishness part. I think that that's, I think we're being as generous as a person can be. Mm, I love that. Often I'll hear it turned, you know, and, and said, well, it's just as selfish to have kids if you're pursuing what you want, right? If it's a choice for your life that you want. But I love, I love what you said there, Lindy, about being generous to the planet. We went yeah. through a period, you know, in our thirties when a lot of our closest friends were having kids and it's in, understandable their focus becomes pretty intense and there's not much of a world beyond the realm of the of their immediate family and we've just found that we had little interest little common interest with them at that time at that time so we've drifted apart from our friends that had uh, started families um, because they tended to be with other families who had small children with play dates and oh, and, and school groups and, and right and and so we used to sometimes say that we kind of lost a few friends there and not not even permanently lost but just for that period in fact in fact now that we've lived long right. enough some of those friends have returned 18 years later it's right. time seeing them again you know? right right and <laughs> oh wow for some of them, i mean we certainly have had time and spent time with friends who have who had kids you know so it's not like you don't yeah. have to be around them or you don't want to be around them it's just you made this decision for yourself and I think that that if Lindy and I can say anything to your listeners is that it is okay to decide to be child free. There is nothing wrong with that. And I know that many of you might feel that you're getting this pressure and stuff. And I'd say if it is in your heart that you feel good about saying you want to be child free, that is absolutely the right decision for you and do it. Stick to that what you feel. It's a funny world that we live in, and there's a lot of weird stuff that might get thrown at you. But that is the one thing Lindy and I have never regretted, is that we, we decided this, we stuck with it. And sure, there were times that, you know, we'd run up against issues because we were child-free. You know, mm -hmm. and you've asked before, like, were there things that, you know, ways that, or even think of it in ways that are we discriminated against because we choose to be child-free? Yeah. And what are ways that we are discriminated against? And um, there are a couple things that we thought of, and some of them don't apply anymore. But back when we were like your age, Anna, and and um, 
even though the jobs we were working had health insurance with them. For health insurance, you either paid a family rate or an individual rate. Mm. So the family rate, if you were not an individual, if you were married, you would have to be lumped into the family rate. So I had to pay us the same premium as say Jeanette who had four kids who obviously is going to use that health insurance more times just because of the odds of having things go wrong with four children. Right. We would, we would pay just as much. And now in our married life together, that did change that it became typically that you could buy an individual policy, a two person policy and, or a family policy. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, so somebody figured that out. Yeah. And there's just standard things like the child tax credit that everybody seems to support. I think there could easily be a child-free tax credit as an environmental policy. Yeah. Why do we decide to support one and not the other? But those are little little discrepancies in the way we run things. And you you run into it even just socially. A lot of times going into a social situation, the first question is asked, mm. well, do you have kids? Mm. You say no. And that always prickles you a little and then bit. There's a, and there's a uncomfortable pause. Because they don't know what and, to say after a, that. Yeah, because the first line of conversation, well, I guess then we have to move on to the weather or something. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know, if you find somebody and you ask them about their kids, you're usually in for a half hour at least of, of information you don't need. Uh, <laughs> but, well, it's the, it's kind of the safe to opener, you know. Sure. But you, you get you grow a little a little harder shell for that. Or you come up with kind of your idea of clever little answers to that, where I used to say, well, no, I have one golden retriever and 10,000 potted perennial plants yeah. that I, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever. And, and I don't know, I, I got so that I could kind of, I could get over that pretty fast, but it is, I mean, you must, you know, you must feel that too, sometimes where that's the first question that, that anybody wants to ask. And I think if anything, what we should do as child-free people is to, you know, what are the opening questions we ask to other people? Do mm. we tend to fall into the same thing and ask about their kids? I don't think I do very often mm. when, when I first meet someone. Um, but to just work on what kinds of questions you can ask at the beginning of an interaction with another person. And it doesn't have to have anything to do with their ability to reproduce or their choice to reproduce or not. Right. There's so much more to, to learn about someone than yeah. that specific topic. Yeah. Did either of you ever receive, you know, while we're kind of on the topic of those things that maybe are uncomfortable around this choice, did you ever receive pushback from family or friends? I for sure didn't receive much. My mother one time asked point blank, if we were thinking about kids, and I told her at the time, I didn't think we were financially ready. That was a saving. Um, <laughs> having a strong Scandinavian background in my family, she, she never asked again. Mm. Uh, I know that's probably pretty darn unusual. I had a, a lovely upbringing in a traditional nuclear type family mm-hmm. setting, you know, grandparents and cousins and brothers and sisters and a mother that stayed home and had meals ready and and a mm-hmm. father that worked in a, in a factory. And, you know, so I had a, a lovely upbringing. I was, I guess I lucked out in the having a parent that didn't really push on that issue. Yeah. 
Well, you know, your older brother had already kind of satisfied the grandchild requirement. I suppose that was about the same era. Yeah. But see, and I grew up in a in a setting that was a lot different, which of course I didn't realize it was different <laughs> at the time. Um, my dad was self-employed and had an office in our house. And my mom had a job working. She was a med tech at a local hospital. And so she worked like the 7.30 to 3 shift. And so dad was always home when we were young and getting ready to go to school. And so she, you know, he was the guy to make sure that we had breakfast and make sure that, you know, our hair was brushed and stuff like that. Mm. And then often when we would get home from school, then mom would be home. But it was, a, it was a switch that way that the idea of a woman having a job away from home, that was easy for us to identify with because our mom did that. Yeah. And, you know, and they both had jobs and I'm sure partly mom had the job because it was a good safe income to raise three kids on where dad, I think did fine with the being self-employed, but there's risk factors in that. So, yeah. So I think that maybe doing things differently didn't scare me as much or bother me as much because I kind of thought it was normal. Yeah. And then I had, you know, my dad had an aunt, a great aunt of mine who was child-free, who was a huge part of our lives. And my family was more spread out. So we didn't have like the summer Ziki reunions where all the kids and all the kids' kids all showed up. I mean, it was, I, I don't have a whole lot of relatives, but we're kind of smattered all across the United States. So there never was kind of this time of getting together and feeling like this is where you show off that your three kids are doing good or whatever. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't have those things. And, and looking back, many of our, many of our friends, I mean, we have a lot of friends who are child-free. People mm -hmm. that we were in high school with who decided to be child-free. People who we went to college with who decided to be child-free. So I, I realized after, you know, visiting with you and talking about your podcast that we were in kind of a unique situation to not feel as much pressure about yeah. kids. And it probably was the hardest, Lindy. Don't you think it was when people our same age started to have children? That that was maybe the hardest where it was like, oh, you know, now, now we're not going to see these people as often or people that we thought were really good friends. And sometimes we still did. But that period of time, we then befriended lots of single people, you know, who mm. weren't in the situation of having kids, older people, you know, like you befriending us all those, you know, years ago in that this some, is, some this is kind of what the circle of possibilities included. Some of our closest friends were then 20, 30 years older than us. Mm. Yeah. We had kind of an adopted set of parents. Yeah. I kind of feel like we might have done that same thing with you and Grant. Yeah, but absolutely that it was okay. And, and we yeah. have kind of found that, that some of our favorite people to be around are 20s and 30 year olds, you know, so, so maybe, you know, your mom was so good with infants. Oh, yeah. And I feel like maybe <laughs> we're good with 20 some year olds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that that first 20 years wasn't going to be our thing, but maybe we can do, you know, have an impact in, wow. Talking about having your friends all having kids of their own, I distinctly remember at one point in our lives, we had uh, friends, they were building a house and it wasn't quite ready yet. Um, huh. And we let them live in our house with us. Oh. You know, we, we had an extra, mm. 
extra room for them. I forgot about that. Um, and their first child came home to our to house. Our house. So wow. We had, we had and, baby time a little bit. I never felt so strongly about not having our own children, except for at that time. I mean, you know, just experiencing the crying at night and, you know, it wasn't much of a disturbance because they were upstairs and we were down, but it, it just, so that, I, I knew then I didn't really want this life. Yeah. Um, and we have great respect for people who oh, do decide to do that. That, so we're, that child is an adult now and we love her dearly. Yeah, but, um, yeah. It really kind of seriously confirmed in my mind that I wasn't going down that road to repeat ourselves. We, we haven't regretted it. We check in on it often. And it's mostly nowadays in the form of thanks for not <laughs> do that. Yeah. What were those check-ins like earlier on? Well, mostly it would be, it would be like if we were in a really trying situation with, with children mm. or with friends who had children or, or, you know, seeing, seeing the kid have a meltdown at the grocery store or, you know, and, and I mean, that happens and we, you know, we understand all of that and we understand the embarrassment that that is for the poor mother or father sometimes when that happens, because it does. But then we, Lindy and I would get back together saying, you know, it's okay. It's okay that we made this decision not to have children. And like we say, we feel like we have, we have some great positive impact on young people's lives. Yeah. So it really didn't seem hard. And I can attest to that. I think you guys have, have had a huge impact on my life and I know you have on grants as well. And I think your example to me, looking at you two has really helped me think broader of what family can look like and what, you know, like this idea of chosen family. And actually, I, I am curious, what does family mean to you both? Well, that's pretty easy because I think family, you know, of course, includes my siblings and, and Lee's siblings and, and the biological family that we have, but that's that's going to run out, but I, I think it's anybody that we we care deeply about. We are uh, involved in a couple of elderly friends that are working on checking out, and we're also involved in in the lives of quite a number of, of young people and and uh, the whole spectrum really. So I kind of answer that as anybody that I would do anything for. Mm. Yeah, and mm. I know early on I used to say that. I have a very broad definition of family. And just recently have I heard the word chosen family, mm. which, which is really, I mean, I do think that, that that's a very accurate way to describe it. And that I think Lindy's right, that it is people that you care about. And it could be friends, it could be friends' children, it could be friends' parents, it could be, you know, it's anything. It's, it's everything, really. And I don't know, sometimes I wonder about having grown up in the, in the 70s, late 60s, 70s, and that, you know, this was kind of a, a, a population group that tried to think differently. You know, they, they, they moved to the country, they, you know, live on cooperative farms together. I don't know. And I kind of like to think that our generation still holds some of that. Yeah. Thinking more broadly. And so this idea of, family not being and maybe it's from way long ago in high school when that our little Friday night family is what we called yeah. ourselves this group oh. of friends that maybe maybe that was the beginning of seeing it that it could be more than 
your biological family. Mm. And so, yes, it, and it's, it's like, it's people who you, you want to be involved in their lives. I just heard a great new song by Lucy Kapansky called Independence Day. That's right on this same topic because she it describes a very uncomfortable family gathering that was obligatory. And then, and then a group of friends that are dearly loved. And anyway, look it mm. up. Yeah, we'll check that out. Yeah, yeah. we could hear you and Grant part of our family. Mm. Likewise. Yeah, easily. And so yeah. I'm also optimistic that, you know, I mean, one thing that people will tell you is, well, who's going to take care of you when you get old? Right. Okay. And it is something that you have to think about for sure. But I'm also hopeful that we will continue to think broadly, even as we age to the point that it will be okay if, if it isn't a biological child that is taking care of me. But it can be certainly someone in my whole family. But the systems work. Like Lindy and I are both the youngest in our family. Yeah. You get to thinking about things like wills and um, durable power of attorney. Right. And the power of making medical decisions for you. You know, for many years, we would put siblings on those lists, which now it's kind of like, whoa, you know, now our, our oldest siblings are in their mid 70s. Mm. or a little older you're thinking wow maybe I need to think differently about that a little bit too so it is something to think about but it's not a not insurmountable it's not a showstopper right it's it's Mm. but it is to be aware of I mean I honestly think about at a certain point we could cohabitate a, a dwelling with anyone, you know, others or people our age who, you know, somebody can still drive and the rest of us maybe can't and and somebody's a great cook and, you know, to kind of do those communes in 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 reverse from when we were young to when we were old. So yeah. Maybe making that choice to be child free has allowed us to always think a little differently about all kinds of things, you know, employment, life that, you know, why would we stop? when we got old. Yeah, I love that. And a lot of the systems or most of the systems are set up for families, for the idea that people are going to be reproducing, even like what you were talking about with life insurance. I, that was really interesting to me. I hadn't considered that. Um, I think with one of my first jobs, they like signed me onto life insurance. I was like, okay, I guess this is what you do as an adult. And I've been paying ever since never stopped Mm -hmm. to think about it. So anyways, that's just interesting. And I I do think though, that like you're saying, when you're opting out of that one path of having kids, then the system isn't necessarily working for you and you are thinking differently. Financially looking at at end of life issues, frankly, financially there's banks with trust departments and they can do the financials. Or you can, name, as, you can name anyone really right. to do the financials. As far as healthcare goes, the more I know about my siblings and biological relatives, the less I want them <laughs> making the, the final decisions in my lifetime. Um, and you can write a durable power of attorney that has, for healthcare decisions, that has very specific guidelines right. that anyone could follow. Right. And if you're not doing that, you're throwing it out there for whoever happens to be in the room 
to decide or not about what kind of care you get. And just because you have biological children does not mean that they will take care of you when yeah. you get old. Right. So no there are many, many families that by the time, you know, they are estranged enough that it's it's a cop out to say that this is a reason to have children is for right. someone to take care of you. You don't even have to be estranged. You can just disagree on at what lengths do we go to keep this sure. person sure. alive for another month. Sure. Right. Or we remember an older couple that we befriended who were neighbors of where we used to live that she used to always say, I'm cultivating young friends so that I'll have people visit me in the nursing home. That mm. was one of the times, you know, but I think cultivating friends of different ages just makes life richer. So for us, we would say, well, having, having all of you young friends and listening to your dreams and what you're hoping for and trying to figure out what this is all about is very, it's very exciting for us to be a part of. And, and I think it goes both ways to kind of, you know, have you to have somebody else besides your parents to say, well, what, what about this? Or how could I do this? And for us to say like, yeah, you know, go for it. Or, or, I mean, we don't have the judgment of having known you for all of your lives and, you know, kind of the familial obligations of following a certain path. Baggage is a good word. Yeah. That it's very interesting to have friends that are of a very diverse set of ages. Well, you know, humans are social beings. No one can go off in the wilderness and survive alone, in my opinion. And believe me, I've done a little of it. That's <laughs> Um, but I've gone with dehydrated food. <laughs> uh, we all have to work together to make life as great as it can be. So, and there's value in our generation that has loads of experience. There's value in younger generations that have new ideas and energy that really needs to be a blend of all of the above to really work toward a full, rewarding life together. Well, or just to make it more interesting, more, more diverse, basically. Yeah, I think it does lend for a much richer experience and kind of like, I feel grateful to have both of you in my life and your wisdom and your perspective and your also like you, your love of nature and crafts inspires me to think about those things in my life too. Yeah, I think that having people of all different ages in your life is, is important. I yeah. did think of one other thing that I'd like to talk about, and that is, even though Lindy and I have chosen to be child-free, you know, public education is financed a lot through taxes and through bond issues that the general public get to vote on. And I would like to still, even if all of you decide to be child-free, to put a word in for we need to continue to support a good public education system. And that I will always vote yes for a bond issue. I will always vote yes to have my property taxes raised to support educational, you know, public education for all. And, and I remember my mom saying, you know, after all of us kids were grown and gone, that she and my dad had made this decision that they would always vote for the school bond issues, because I felt like they were hearing from some of their older friends that, you know, well, why, my kids aren't in school anymore. Why should I, why, why do I want to vote to raise my taxes a little bit? 
And so I would also then encourage all of your young child-free listeners to say, it still is an obligation to our society, to our communities, to make sure that young people get good educational opportunities and that we should all be supportive of that for sure. Mm, I think that's an important message. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Well, because I, I could see easily some people saying, well, you know, I don't need to pay for that because I... Not my problem. Right. But it, right. Is, it is all of our problem. Yeah. But yeah. I'm much better off if my neighbor kid has a really good education. Well, it's just a better <laughs> world with good Yeah. So, so anyway, that and, and I don't know, I have a feeling, Anna, that we may be the oldest child-free couple that has been appeared on this podcast. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> so far. So far, yes. But, you know, I remember feeling, you know, hearing from a young woman in our community who said something to me about being child free and saying that when she was, when she was first married, she didn't know she had a choice. Hmm. And that just, I mean, I guess I always knew I had a choice. And I have a feeling that her statement is not uncommon. And so I want to tell all of you that you have a choice. You always have a choice. And that Lindy and I would love to hear from you all. (laughs) Yeah. If you have questions, you want to have questions for this older child-free couple, (laughs) that, that we would be happy to listen to what you're suffering from or worrying about or whatever, because we'd like to be kind of the living examples is that it's way okay. I would yeah. say, and I know couples who have the big fear of being empty nesters. And once their kids are gone, that they don't feel like they any longer know one another. Yeah. Right. When Lee and I only have been married a long time, we, we ran a business together. There was a real, it was full time. We were business partners, best friends, spouses, all the time, all the way. We know each other. And we, well. we know each other pretty well. And I have to say that as far as the relationship goes, I think it has done nothing but grow stronger over the years. It doesn't mean that we don't argue occasionally and that we don't cry sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's all a part of it. But Relation, I do think uh, relationships are still work. Right. I wouldn't say that. Right. But we have learned to talk things out. Right. Mm. But I, I had no idea as a 20-year-old getting married that it could get even better and better in time, which it has. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that because I do think that that can be a concern too. I, I know I've seen that play out in the empty nesters where they almost come back together as strangers. And so then if you're choosing a life with a partner where you don't have kids at all, like what, yeah, what is the future? So that is really encouraging to hear that it can get better with time. And I think it's probably true both ways that relationships with, with that decide to have children that can be better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I know you guys gave me the best, uh, I think, relationship advice of anyone just to keep talking. And that has stuck with me how seemingly simple that is, but how important that is. Right. Yeah. So am I correct in understanding if we get some write-ins or voice <laughs> memos, you'd be willing to come back and, and answer those 
in a follow-up sure. podcast? Don't you think so? Sure. Sure. Okay. sure. Sure. Okay. We can be like the, the elder advisors. Yes. Of the, <laughs> of the we're not kidding podcast. But yeah. Yeah. Or it would be just interesting to hear what people think about having heard us to yeah. talk about being child-free. Was it helpful? Mm. You know, I mean, I would hope that just our saying that, yes, we made the choice. Yes. We don't regret it. Yes. Life has been great. You know, not perfect, but, but good. And that it's okay to make this decision. Hmm. Yeah. It's helpful for me to hear for sure. And I think that the community, like having this message out there is really important. There really are many of us out there. And I think it's a very responsible thing to do. Yeah. There are, there are many of us. I mean, we have, we have, we have many, many friends who have chosen to be child-free and not because we just, I mean, we just have found each other, but also, you know, I have a little girl group that, that some have had children and some have not, but interestingly enough, more have not than have. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. And, and we didn't even really think about it ahead of time. Well, there have been 10 all told, but there's really three that had children and all the rest. Wow. So it was really, and for varying different reasons, but it was really fun to not feel like the odd one out where I'm sure some of your listeners where all of their friends are having children. And, and so it's a tough stand to make. Yeah. Um, but certainly if that's where your heart is, don't yield. Mm. Stick with that. Well, thank you both so much for uh, lending your voice and your story to the podcast. I am so grateful. And uh, yeah, this is one of my, when I started the podcast was dreaming of having you both on. So thanks for saying yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's easy for us. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Thank you. If you have comments or questions you'd like to send on to Lee and Lindsay for the follow-up episode when they come back to hear those and answer those, you can submit your questions and comments one of two ways. First, by emailing me, Anna, at AnnaOlson.com, and I will put that in the show notes. You can submit your comments and questions there. Or if you'd like to do an audio file, you can go to the Anchor homepage of this podcast, which I will link in the show notes, and there's a little message button to record an audio message that'll come directly to me. And we will pull those for the episode when Lee and Lindsay come back. Can't wait to hear your thoughts and questions. Hey, don't go yet. I have something really exciting to share with you. I created a community for child-free people. That's right, a place for us all to hang out, get to know each other, and become friends. So if you could use some more child-free friends in your life, please come hang out with us. It's like we have our own private social media network. Inside the club, we have weekly virtual meetups via Zoom. We have a community feed with ongoing posts and discussions so we can continue our friendship outside of our virtual meetups. And down the road, we're going to have in-person meetups and take these relationships offline and in-person. So if you want in, head to wnk-club.com. That's wnk as in we're not kidding, dash C-L-U-B dot com. I can't wait to see you in the club.